and welcome to this latest episode of Wade In, where we are obviously here to discuss all things horse racing from the past seven days, racing and news points as well. Uh, it was Future Champions Weekend in Newmarket, and of course we are also building up to Champions Day at Ascot on Saturday. So essentially it's just all about champions, left, right and centre, and that's why we have Tony Calvin on the show. Tony, what are you a champion of? Negativity. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I thought you were 101 to go cynicism, but negativity. Well, they kind of like marrying together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What about you, Kevin Blake? What are you champion of? Um, yeah, well, Vanessa, because we're now fully visual on YouTube, we can make all sorts of visual jokes. And you, you can see there, that, that's what I'm the champion of. Oh, not quite, yeah. not, not, not quite world champion, but uh, I got a belt one time, settled there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You've got a few trophies up there. And on the topic of trophies, look at this. I got a trophy this weekend. Can you see that, everyone? If you're watching on YouTube, if you're not, if you're listening, because it's a podcast, you obviously have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm holding up a bit of glassware in my hand. It's from the Point to Point Authority. It's the Hunter Chase Championship 2022 Rider of the Year. It was obviously no. meant for... Tristan Durrell, but instead <laughs> I have it. Tristan, if you want your award back, do get in contact. Um, yeah, and hey, just, just just in case they're wondering, Vanessa, because we're, we're guilty of making assumptions here, the reason why we're making all these visual jokes, etc., is this podcast is now available fully on YouTube. So we're, we're all a little bit self-conscious, but we're going to try and make the best of it. Yeah, so I'm... if you are listening via podcast, you now have another viewing alternative as well as a listening alternative. There you go. Aren't they lucky, hey? And I would also like to point out, I only have this award because Tristan was not there at the awards. I have no, I've never met Tristan Durrell. So anyway. Yeah, um... and I would also like to point out that I only found out this was fully visual two and a half yes. minutes ago so i haven't exactly had a shave or spruce myself up at all so there we go no and i want to make the point that i would have put some makeup on had i known it was fully visual but anyway cheers, alas barry. yeah cheers barry <laughs> shafted us once again right um lads we are here to talk about as i said all things future champions weekend because it was a cracking weekend of sport over in newmarket let's start with the jewhurst tony calvin chaldean winning it from the front uh, Dettori back in Group 1 pole position, having had a fall and a ban. There was loads of storylines coming into it. But what did you make of the actual performance from Chaldean? Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sold on, on, on you know, the classic kind of like merit of the form. But okay. yeah, he was, he was like, like I say, I mean, it's a classic example of progression, that Chaldean, isn't it? You know, you, Andrew Balding, I know all trainers are like that, but... He's he's a very very he builds his two year olds up kind of gradually doesn't give him a hard time first time up and there's numerous examples of of that with the building yard and you know this one well beaten on his debut then just went through the ranks went through a novice group three group two and, and got the group one on Saturday now we've got a question about it actually and they, a lot of people were thought the second was 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 the best horse in the race the way the way it panned out but um, yeah I mean when you get on that rail. Uh, at Newmarket, it's um, it's they're very hard to peg back. You know, a few people are critical of the ride the second got, but yeah, I can I can see that. But just looking ahead towards the um, towards the you know two thousand guineas, the, the winner is now eight to one. I can't get the differential in price. I mean, it could well be that both prices are unattractive, but I can't. You know, eight to one the winner for the guineas and twenty five to one for the second. Uh, given that on a different day, the the second could well have won. Um, yeah, I don't get that. I mean, like I said, Royal Scotsman, if you're going to have a bet for the classic, it'd be that. But I, I, I went back and had a look at the, the other top horses in, in the in the Guineas betting. And God, I mean, I, I have, I've only seen it a couple of times, but the, the more you look at that little big bear performance, it's like just absolutely stunning, isn't it? It's just on a different level to Stand what out. Jardine said there. And, you know, we haven't seen, obviously, Noble Style. We haven't seen that one since the gym crack. I think that had a slight setback. So, yeah, I think if you're looking towards the 2,000 guineas, I think you're looking at the horses that weren't there rather than the horses that were there. Interesting. Okay, do you concur, Kevin Blake, uh, mainly with the last point Tony's made there, but also the the view on the second on Royal Scotsman? Um, I'd agree with much of it, not all of it. Um, <laughs> look, very likable performance. Um, I, I think being allowed to to roll on from the front has really suited this horse. He's got a got a big action and. Um, they, they've been using it more in recent starts and it seems to have helped um like it, it didn't exactly go smoothly i thought watching the um you know looking at the race pre pre-race um i thought he might get the lead to himself but he, he missed the kick by kind of a length and a half or so so he had to do a bit of running to to get to the front 
Um, but look, it, it was a lovely performance, you'd have to say. The second, Royal Scotsman, he had a strong form in the book, despite disappointing um, at York the time before when it was, um, I was going to say, when it was difficult to get into the, the race from off the pace, which it was, but the winner managed it, Noble Style, um, who Tony briefly mentioned there. Um, and look, I suppose with, with a view to the ride he got, um, he was stepping up and tripped. They were probably a little bit conscious that, that all they could talk about was his speed after he won the the Richmond at Goodwood. So they were probably in a bit of doubt over the trip. So they kind of rolled him a little bit accordingly. Um, but he ran very, very well. Um, and look, there was a few disappointments in behind. Like It sounds like I'm damning the winner with fame praise, but I'm trying not to. Um, a very, very likable horse. Um, but as Tony mentioned, you know, we do have some big, big guns that weren't here, um, namely the bear, as we call him. And, uh, and Noble Style, who, who I like a lot as well. So um, not Chalding's fault whatsoever. Clearly a lovely colt. Massive for Andrew Balding. This is the very first horse he got off Judmont. How's that for a start? Um, yeah, and continues Frankel's role. You know, he's, he's, he's on a proper role at the moment. He, he's very much the real deal. And um, yeah, look, lovely prospect, this fella. Um, and we'll see. It's going to be about how they all progress over the winter, isn't it? And, I'm well, rambling a bit, so apologies. Yeah. You are, you are rambling today. Yeah. I think it's because you're irate after the phone call you've just been on with whoever it was. But yeah, it's like, air, that's air customer service. Then let's not yeah. get started. Yeah. No, no, don't, no, no. Don't, don't like the fuse, Vanessa. Don't no, like the no, fuse. I'm sorry uh, I mentioned the wall. But can we just touch upon Frankie the Tory? Um, well, either of you, I suppose, but Kevin, you were actually there on the day. Obviously, he got a terrible slap in the race. Was it the race two races before? Uh, looked a horrific fall after clipping heels he gets back up walks gingerly into an ambulance or a car to bring him back and then he rides a group one winner and this is of course off the back of sort of these two bands he's had obviously he was back on arc day for kin ross and then you know he's not been seen and then he's in back in the saddle riding another group one winner i mean kind of extraordinary at the age of 50 plus or whatever he is now that he just can a bounce back from a fall but b this sort of strange time he's had with the bands and yet group one winners still yeah and even before that you know all, all the, the hijinks for John Gosden you know of course, like it's been yeah, a, very, it's been a, weird it's been a season. very eventful season for Frankie you know in, in the autumn of his career you know I think it's fair to say um, and you know showed great bounce back ability literally because he got propelled into the ground on that, on that <laughs> really in the Zetland it was absolutely horrible yeah it was a rotten one it was and, really uh, bad it was ba- a bad one yeah and, you know the cynics would say with Frankie like you know, maybe the the fire isn't it doesn't burn as brightly as before, and he might have taken a chance to 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 lift it to the weigh room and stay there, but not a bit of it. He, he bucked out and gave one a cracker in the Dewhurst. I have to say, he was on the opening show with us on the, on the Saturday morning, and geez, he's in great form. <laughs> you know, he's 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 clearly, despite the season having gone you know very much roller coaster for him, he um, he seems to be in a fantastically positive place at the minute, and um, with him that will always translate onto the track and. He gave yeah. this one a belter, and sure, look, we're into we're into a, a really important and valuable time of the season now internationally. So, yeah, Frankie's going to be in demand. I suspect he, he was giving giving us a bit of an insight into his into his prospective book for the Breeders' Cup, and it it, uh, it reads pretty spicy at the minute. So, yeah, I think uh, more Group One winners to come for for Frankie. Absolutely. Something to look forward to, as you say, the sort of international scene really kicks up again at the back end of the year. Um, Tony, let's talk about commissioning in the Phillies Mile. Again, um, big day for the jockey and Rab Havlin, but just putting that sort of storyline again to one side in terms of her performance in the race. She was pretty sure odds to go and do what she did, and she might have made a bit harder work of it than people were expecting anyway. Yeah, it's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? The, the merit of the performance, because... She looked, she looked in trouble at one point. Um, I think um, John Gosden was talking about the, you know, the, the wind being a factor in the fact that she momentarily looked a bit all at sea going to the dip. But um, yeah, I mean, she made hard work of it. I mean, the, the second traded um, quite heavy odds on, I think, Novakai. But they did pull well clear of the third. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be in a rush to you know, tobacco for the Guineas. I think what the sportsbook going force. Um, Yep, four to one from sixes after yeah, that I, performance. I think that's, I think that's overly defensive. Um, but, you know, that Guineas market, it's, it's 10 to one plus bar two. And are we going to see Tahira at Newmarket? Uh, I think commissioning is looks very beatable. That might be, you know, again, with Chaldean might be damning with faint praise there. But, yeah, I mean, commissions, 
she's been more of a stayer, isn't she? Um, I think there's there's plenty of plenty of stamina on the distaff side of the pedigree, so maybe maybe more of an Oaks than a rather than a than a Guinea's filly. But uh, yeah, I mean, she's clearly up there with the best uh, miling two year olds we've seen uh, on the filly side. But yeah, I mean, I'm, in in terms of four to one for the Guineas, uh, no. Very lukewarm from TC there on commissioning. Um, Kevin, again, I think you were the one that was saying that, you know, she was very green when we last saw her and she was she showed, for me anyway, she's still a work in progress. Um, was that the view you got from on course as well? Yeah, like she looks, she got a little bit unbalanced again. And it, like, like TC says briefly, it did look in danger of not happening. But as was the case in the Rockfell, she was good and strong late on, wasn't she? And, um, she's by Kingman, but there is a heap of stamina on the dam side. And we know that a, a Galileo mare can, can help pull these horses further than you might expect um, based on their sire. So, like, to me, she looks a mile in the quarter, Philly, certainly. And it wouldn't be a shock if she ended up having a crack at an Oaks, maybe a little bit longer term. Um, I'd agree with Tony, like, the, the Guineas quotes um, seem short. Um, and, and not so much as a knock on the Philly now, but... Um, Sean Gosling's record in the Newmarket Classics wouldn't set you a light either. Go on, throw him under the bus. How bad is it? Um, I think he said one 1,000 guineas winner and maybe no 2,000 guineas winner, um, which would probably surprise people. Um, and he's had you know quite a few fillies, including fillies that have won this race and look very, very promising. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't, they haven't got to the 1,000 guineas or it just hasn't happened for them um, on that day. So um, look, Facts are facts, but not to say that she can't be a Guineas winner, but um, we're talking about prices and probabilities and would four to one appeal? No, it wouldn't. But I do like the filly a lot. Um, I think we'll, she's one that we'll probably see better and better of as next season progresses. Hopefully the winter goes smoothly for her, etc. And yeah, and, and look, I suppose the main uh, story, if you will, was Rab Havlin, um, you know, 30 years trying and I got his first group one, um, you know, well over a thousand winners. So big day for him. There was a genuine sense of goodwill around the place, including from Frankie, who you might have expected to be a bit kind of annoyed with the thing, missing a group one winner due to suspension. But he seemed uh, genuinely delighted for, for what seemingly a good pal of his and longstanding colleague. And, um, you know, plenty of the jocks seemed delighted for him. And the crowd, like, wouldn't have been a big crowd there on Friday now, but those that were there did come, did seem to come to the uh, winner's enclosure and give, give warm applause. So, yeah, well done, Rav. Yeah, that's that's one of those meetings. I've been to that day quite a few times in the past and it can feel like a bit of a damp squid. Like it doesn't feel like a group one day. Um, it's, damp squid? Know, damp squid? Does that go in the dictionary? Is that? <laughs> is that? Squid. Is, is that wrong? That's not wrong. Squib. Squib. Would it be? Are you joking? No, it's not no. damp squid, is it? <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> Tell me you're winding me up. <laughs> when you when you ordered calamari, I don't know what you got coming. Uh, my that. whole life. It's like, it's, it's, I think I've mentioned it before. <laughs> Depending who you speak to, you know when you say Dullard's ditch water, a lot of people think it's Dullard's dishwater. I suppose both can work, but it's purely uh, ditch water, isn't it? Like uh, no, that, that is debatable, but it's definitely squid. Not squib. Uh, squib uh, with a B. I yeah, might have thought a bit, that, a that saying is damn squid with a D. <laughs> my whole life. So that's great. It, hey, for, for, for all podcast purposes, now it will be going forward. Damn squid. At least we've got but the, the squid is damp, right? At least we've got <laughs> the title for Wade in this week, haven't we? Well, in all seriousness, the squid is damp. It's not that weird. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no denying that, Jim. It still doesn't make it right. <laughs> I'm going to go. Actually, actually, this is still questionable. Anyway, actually, if you want to come back, ask us what squib is. And I, well, know. Exactly I have no right. idea. <laughs> squib down? Who knows? Right. You might be right. We've oh, been wrong. I've been wrong 53 years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, look, Tony, totally, that leads us nicely into the fact that we were all wrong on racing only better when talking about the Oso Sharp Stakes because none of us tipped up Midnight Mile, who won uh, for Ashino Richard Fahi in that Oso Sharp Stakes. And um, she's now introduced at 33s for the 1000 guineas. Yeah. Bit of a turn up for the old books. It was, but I was really impressed by it. Um, I know the form, you can't, you can't overrate the form. But um, she 
you know, she overcome a lot of trouble. She switched from the inner, um, showed a lot of, you know, battling qualities to take the gap. Uh, I think she won a little bit snugly at the end against, you know, a, a second that won first time out and was clearly uh, fancied to go well again. Um, no, I, if you ask me, to, as regards for the Guineas, whether back uh, midnight mile at 33s or commissioning at fours. Um, if I gave you £100, Tony, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know how this goes. Yeah. I'll go, out, I'll go out and buy a squid. Uh, <laughs> or a squid, Tony. Which Whichever you can let, find. Let, you let must let someone Google what squib is, because it's, it's yeah, a Barry's on Barry, it. Come on. And, Barry, and he tells us it. that it's a, a small firework that makes a hissing sound before exploding. And of course, if you have a damp squib, it's not going to explode very well. So it makes perfect sense. That yeah. does make sense. Bloody hell. <laughs> nobody um, nobody likes damp fireworks. No, the um, yeah, yeah. Is anything worse than a firework? What is the point of fireworks? Oh, I hate fireworks. Don't get me started. Don't like, don't like the fuse in my hate for fireworks. Fire. Oh, just, oh, well, they're, they're pointless. They're pointless. Okay, uh, it's nearly, nearly Halloween as well. Thirty freeze is a fair price. Okay, so you don't like fireworks, TC, but you do like Midnight Mile. Uh, and a quick word, Kevin, from Ooh. you on Dream of Love. Who can I give you a quick word on Midnight Mile? Well, if you want, but I'm trying to keep it snappy and we keep I know, getting diverted. I know, I know. But, but I, was impressed with, I was impressed with her too because this was a funny sort of a race, wasn't it? And she had to overcome adversity. She'd only the one run going in. Um, I, I thought this was impressive now. And um, she's surely next year's filly. Um, physically, she looked it, and um, to 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 get out the old the old uh, what are we calling this again? The 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 race and only better phrase book. She has loads of damina, loads of damina. Love the damina. Right. Yeah, she's a granddaughter of Jude, um, who who produced yesterday and and Quarter Moon and all those kind of proper Oaks fillies. So yeah, and of course, if you haven't seen it, go on to Richard Fahey's um. Uh, Twitter account there oh, he cool. posted this this filly being born uh, via cesarean section which is a pretty unusual thing I have the full three minutes of coverage um, and uh, I can see why Richard chose to only give about 20 seconds because it's, it's quite gruesome but uh, it was fascinating um, and yeah fair play to them all down in um, down in uh, the Federal Equine Hospital there who who were responsible for that uh, and, and full of full of snippets this morning the surgeon who's performing that procedure is Tom O'Brien, who's the brother of well-known Irish trainer, Richard O'Brien. There you go. Wow, look at this. This is just the podcast that just keeps on giving today. Let's try and get to the end. Of I, heard, I heard a story about Richard Farhi over the weekend, but I won't, I won't, I won't relay that here. <laughs> well, I don't think we should be doing trainer stories from the weekend. Um, let's move on to the autumn stakes. Um more two-year-olds of note, Silver Knot, another one for Godolphin, Tony. Um, back to winning ways and Gate obviously gave the Dewhurst form a boost before it was even run. It is, is ground the real key issue with Silver Knot? Well, the form book suggests so, didn't it? Obviously, it was soft ground when he blew out at Donny. Again, I wasn't massively over-impressed by the performance in, in classic terms, but, yeah, I mean, Godolphin, they just seem to, you know, wheel out any number of horses. I don't know how many horses they... They've actually got a new market. Um, but, you know, they, they've, um, you know, we, we talked about mentioned we shouldn't mention Dream of Love in the in the Phillies now. Again, she's sorry, didn't, yeah, I bypassed. Probably her. didn't beat a great fault. deal uh, in that maiden, but uh, you know, Shamadel out a secret gesture. You know, obviously everything's set fair for for that one going forward. Now, as regards Silver Knot, obviously it's impressive at Sandown. Blew out on the soft ground at Donny. Bounced back on on at the weekend, but. No, I didn't didn't uh, didn't really float my boat again in in classic terms. Okay, didn't float your boat. Well, in terms of quotes that he's got, he's now ten to one from sixteens for the Virgin Futurity, and he's seven to two from seven to one for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And on the grounds concerns, um, you'd want to be giving him a swerve in the Vertem if it comes up in any way with cutting it or significant cutting it. Whereas the Breeders' Cup, do you see him as a Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf horse? Kevin? Uh, yeah, potentially. Look, they've got lots of Ooh, That sounded very lukewarm. No, I, I actually really like the horse, but I just, okay. just don't know if that race would be the one. Um, like you, you need a shark type of two-year-old at the trip for that. And, um, you know, he's been around a bend, but he hasn't been around a bend loads, you know, and it's just, it's just different over there, you know? Um, 
So I'd be lukewarm on that, but I, I would do quite like the horse now. And you'd have to draw attention to the second as well. Um, Epictetus, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, it because is. he he came in off the back of one run, um, interrupted prep um, and ran a belter in fairness to him. Like he he was the one that had a bit of potential X factor about him and he, he didn't lose anything in defeat bar his unbeaten record. <laughs> um, so I, I keep him on your mind as well. Holloway boy, bit messy for him. He's definitely better than the bare result. But um, yeah, like the autumn stakes can work out to be a, a, a really good race. You know, Coribus won it last year. Um, there a couple of years ago, Persian King beat Magna Grecia and Circus Maximus. So um, don't be giving all your attention to the Jewhurst lads because this, this can be a very good race too. Yeah, you I, you were making that case on the telly this weekend as well. And um, sounds like you're quite keen on the form or just keeping an eye on the form for future anyway. Uh, do you want to give a mention to this Salt Lake City, one of Aidan's who won a Nav and Maiden? We've, it's on the running order to talk about. Do you yeah. have any interest, Kevin? Tony does uh, no, not, clearly. No, no, no. Go on, Tony. No, I'll just say it's like it's if you obviously blew out in the convivial, but obviously when you look back to the debut second to our riffer, um, don't know what happened at York. Um it was very it was very weak in the betting that day as well, and we just, just ran like a drain, only beat two home. But yeah, I was uh had a look at the uh, they were back up uh, it was up to a mile on, on soft ground. It was, you know, it was impressive, it was only a maiden, but Given the debut promise, yeah, it's just another one of these horses that can can you know spring out and maybe you know in the classic trial next April and, and go from there. But yeah, yeah, you can see it. You, you've got hundreds of two year olds from you know good well, no, you got tens and scores of horses from the Godolphin and the no, Aiden O'Brien yard that are gonna you know if they win a well, you know they can they could spring forward into classic contenders and you know, be anything as the cliche is a, a feasible one for that for that kind of uh, profile. Yeah, that's yeah, I think it's, it's even trickier than usual the last couple of years. I think Aiden's kind of happy to to trick along with a lot of these kind of back end two year olds and not not push them too hard. And if it happens, it happens. But um, he'd be one of those that they clearly like him, you know, given the way they've campaigned him and the prices he's gone off, etc. Um, so yeah, he'd be another one to add into the list. You know, he's got loads of uh, speedama on uh, on the, <laughs> on the side of his pedigree. It's a very fast family, uh, but Galileo's obviously dragging it up. So um, would he be a Derby trial horse? I'd say probably. Okay, we'll look forward to seeing him again. Uh, quick mention for Flying Honours, who won the Zetland. He seemed to relish stepping up in Trip TC, but for the Derby, he's unchanged at 16s. Is A is that was uh, is that correct? <laughs> and B. Um, I'm only questioning it because just feels like if horses win races, they get cut these days. Yet this horse has remained unchanged. Look, again, okay. you can't you can't go overboard about the form. I know the second was was quietly fancied, but the second yeah. did go into the race. I think eight, rated eighty seven. So on the bare form, it didn't do a lot. They clearly race it very highly. You know, blew out in a slowly run race previously, but again, um, didn't really get me excited as regards to classics. About you, Kevin. Any interest in flying honours at 16s for the Derby? I think I think the point is is surely there's going to be a fair few classier horses than flying honours going to the Derby next year. You'd be hopeful. Um, yeah, most likely, most likely. But I wouldn't like to knock him too much now. He, um, I wasn't convinced that he was a Zetlin type. I thought he might be a little bit quicker than that. But look, he got the job done and beat, a, I suppose, a less exposed one in in Blanchland. Um, dear my friend, look, I thought the race really panned for the winner. Um, dear my friend, I think had to go faster than ideal up up front, have a missed kick a little bit, and flying honors followed him, got a lovely split, and went and won the race. Um, but yeah, he, he's certainly be one for derby trials next year rather than coming back to the mile, I suspect. Okay, let's move away from the two year old. Pogo wins the challenge stakes of his beloved seven furlongs from the front. William Buick this time, so of course, Kieran Schumacher out injured, which is disappointing for him. And this horse uh, finally gets his group two, Tony. I know you're not one for sentiment, I understand no. that, but. <laughs> Don't be sassy with me before I even ask the question. <laughs> even you must have felt like this was a worthy winner. Like he deserves this group too, doesn't he? Well, I I, I, I laid sacred, so I'm, I was very happy for the horse actually hanging on. And, and there we go. I, I definitely thought I'd done my money. It, it, I view any, I view most horse races in in view of how much I stand to gain or lose financially. So yeah, I was very pleased that he stuck on on the far side and um, uh, and got the job done. But as regards you know, a first group two win for the horse. 
fucking give a shit, will it? <laughs> no, no ducks given. Um, <laughs> whereas Kevin, I surely like I, I was delighted for the horse anyway, in all seriousness. He's now got a 14 to 1 quote for the QE2, but from 33s. I think that's probably unlikely. I wouldn't be touching him at that price, but he'll also have Breeders' Cup options now as well. And he's just been a solid performer, not only for the owners, but the trainer's done a great job with him. Jockey in the saddle gave him a lovely ride, but obviously he's quite a straightforward horse. And yeah, I just I genuinely felt like he really did deserve a group two. I was pleased for him. I know I'd be with you. He's, he's a smasher of a horse, isn't he? Kind of bring, yeah. bring, brings it every day and um, like probably falls a little bit shorter group one level, but he's got his group two now. And uh, should have, why not have a crack at the Breeders' Cup mile? Um, if he gets a good draw, he'll ping the lids, get out there in a prominent position. And you never know, short house straights over there. He might hang in there and, and run a big one. So yeah, he's certainly earned it. He's already earned his trip to the sun, Vanessa. Well, assuming the sun shines in, in Kentucky. But um, I'm yeah, going, and, and he goes, I'm going he to the Breeders' Cup. Ah, are yeah. you working? Steady on, guys. That's a big announcement, isn't it? Yes, I am working. Oh, finally, finally got on the gravy train. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely choo-choo. delighted. Choo-choo. <laughs> off we go. Six nights in Keeneland. What oh, possibly you can't slag off wrong. any horses to go for the Breeders' Cup. So yeah, Pogo is great. No, <laughs> I flagged this up three weeks in advance so that you guys can just pull me up if I sort of start like subconsciously leaning some bias <laughs> towards the Breeders' Cup. Um, but have you noticed already? I've got in a couple of mentions in this show, right, and I wouldn't be normally on my radar. Woman company woman i know now you see i was going to use a saying there but i don't even know what the saying is anymore after this i was gonna say i know which side my bread is buttered on is that right no like, it's, it's what side your cabbage is buttered everyone knows that oh for god's sakes right uh, let, let's move on uh the cesarovich was won by run for oscar obviously charles burns training this horse and kev you flagged up um on racing any better i'm sure it was you i'm giving you this credit but it might not have been that this horse. i mean you didn't tip him up but you did flag up that he could be the best handicapped horse in the race on what we've seen them yeah. so far did you say that no i, I would have i'd say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think it just, it was, it, it was a bit short for me but i think it would have been value a six to four the way he won well jesus <laughs> like i mean it's rare it was it's been well documented since the race but it's rare you see a race like that one in that sort of style yeah, and look, Char- Charles has a, has a checkered past. We all know this. He, he's not for everyone, and he's had plenty of trouble over the years. But by God, he's some man to target train a horse. In fairness to him, um, we, and we, this isn't new news. You know, he's been doing this for for twenty years, um, and they 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 set this race aside for this fella from a long way out. Um, it was quite funny listening to him afterwards. You could tell he was still a little bit annoyed with himself that he went and won at Haydock, um, which I think, in fairness to him, it was the percentage call. Um, 82, historically, would, would have been far from guaranteed to get in. It would have been borderline. So um, isn't it wonderful when you have enough up your sleeve that you can go and, and bolt up and get an extra eight pounds and then go bolt up again? Um, but yeah, he he was very as as a number of people said on the day, like a big key for the Cesaro, which is just being relaxed because you've got to get down two mile two down to the start and then you know race efficiently to be able to finish off over two mile two. And he was a he 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 looked what he is, you know, a big old jumper, you know, mm-hmm. lovely relaxed horse. Um, gave David Egan a lovely straightforward ride, traveled quick and easy. Job um, done. Fair play to them. You know, it's it, these races are very difficult to win. Um, you can you can poke if you want, but um to, to go and, and lay one out. Um and, and like we say, it's not like there was any jig, jiggery pokery with this horse. You know, he, he won a maiden, you know, that's where he got his initial mark. He, he went and won a maiden at Killarney, and he's just been target trained since then. Um, steady build, run to run this season, uh, and produced his best on the biggest day. So, um, well done to all concerned, and well done who aren't put off by his price like I was. Easy money. Mm. Well, Tony, it, we it's a cle- I think it's like a cliche to say that, as Kevin said there, that he Charles Burns doesn't really miss when he's laid one out for a race. And we all talk about the days that he gets into the winners' enclosure with these sort of horses. But from your experience, there must have been days that he does miss as well, surely. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it's, it's horse racing. You might know what you've got, but you know, don't necessarily know what somebody else has got. Do you? This is why I, I find people who, you know, that unraced horses and, you know, unraced two-year-olds and the like, you might, you know, you, you know, history is littered with, with horses that are bumped into a, a better one. You know, you know, obviously, Frankel Nathaniel being a classic example. Uh, you know, you, you think you might think you've got a group one winner, you know, hidden under, under, under wraps, but 
there's, there's normally always one better out there. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I, obviously, I don't follow Irish racing as much as uh, as Kevin and, and maybe yourself in the old at the races days. But I mean, he seems to have an absolutely you know fearless reputation, doesn't he? As, as regards kind of like betting and being a very you know astute cookie. It's like it's, it's people were when I mentioned about Prescott last week, so Mark Prescott saying you know maybe you know if he he views kind of like you know racing as more cerebral, you know beating the handicapper etc. And you know, if you if you had kicked on with some of the horses, he might have got better results. And I think it's, it's, there are similarities between Charles Burns as well. I mean, he clearly, you know, money is the kind of like you know renowned for kind of gambling and stuff like that. But you know, that horse. I mean, just coming back to this horse in particular. I mean, when that goes back over hurdles and um, and it, and and his progression over hurdles always come with with headgear which they left off from the flat. I mean, it's you know, Buzz won this last year and it was virtually. Favorite for the um, for the world hurdle or the stairs yeah, yeah. now after before injury intervened there, you know this horse could be a serious weapon going back over going over hurdles given the the flat progression. Yeah, plenty to look forward to. And did you watch any hurdling from the weekend, specifically Nappers Hill and the Silver Trophy, Tony? Uh, I I did see a little bit. Uh, at well um Yeah, Nappers Hill was I think it was over a two mile three there, wasn't it? So. Obviously, they tried it over two miles last year, and I don't know where they're going to go with it now. Um, I think there was, was their quotes for the, the Great Wood mentioned. The Great Wood, 12s from 20s. It's, it's interesting because they they purposely, the owners didn't want to go to Cheltenham with a horse, and they also bypassed Aintree. So whether that's, you know, that their patience is going to be rewarded this season. But yeah, he, you know, he, I think he won up a mark of 141. He's probably going to go up about five or six pounds for that. So maybe showed his hand a little bit uh, for the Great Wood. Uh, so you know, maybe if he goes there, it'd be off a mark of 146, 147, might may look quite tough. While on the subject, like Vanessa, we better. I don't, I don't have a glass to raise, but I raise a stapler to a peregrine run and Peter Fahey oh, and all his what connections. A what a legend! Twelve-year-old gets his uh, win number twenty. <laughs> Just, incredible! Is so, it's absolutely is incredible so for a horse trained in Ireland. You know that isn't the tip topper. To win twenty races, like is some going like that is re- that is really difficult. Um, like testing by to, to, yeah, Sam Ewing, who's, yeah. who's made a made a big splash this we weekend. Got yeah, we do, yeah, we but, do. We'll get to that in due course. But yeah, but per, yes. Peregrine Run, yeah, fair, fair, fair play to everyone there. What a horse! Would some horses deserve an honourable mention, and he is definitely one of them. Things we love to see. Um, let's move on, guys, to newsy type section, and we will start Kevin Blake, I think, with um, well, th- this this is titled "The Illusion That Is Book One." Obviously, it's just been the Book One sales in Tattersalls, uh, the creme de la creme of the yearling sales for anyone that's listening that isn't involved in the bloodstock world, and essentially people from all corners of the world with very very deep pockets go and spend fortunes on yearlings over three days in Newmarket. It is a little bit like walking into a parallel universe. I would agree with that, and there's been some controversy since the sales results were all obviously published at the end. Um, I can't remember what the exact figure of the turnover was, but it was, what was it, Kev? Upwards 100, 125 mil. There you go, 125 million. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers when you hear the number. I, I laugh because it's so shocking. Um, but people are spending fortunes on racehorses, despite the economic crisis that is happening in the rest of the world, despite the doom and gloom that seems to be coming um, on the horizon for the rest of us. Yet these people with a lot of money still want to spend a lot of money, Kevin. Yet there's been a bit of uproar, not uproar, but I think it stemmed from the fact that somebody wrote a letter to the Racing Post, didn't they? Outlining how mad it is that people spend this much money and yet they win so little prize money back when you look at the bare stats. But my point would be, that the people buying these horses they're not doing it necessarily not all of them anyway as an investment they're doing it for lots of other reasons e.g they want to have fun with racehorses they want to breed racehorses or um you know they want the prestige of winning races here in the uk and they've come to buy uk horses that can win those races so it's not all about the prize money returns um but yeah i mean how how do you feel about this fallout kev ah look come here lads you could do that that brand of analysis for pretty much any yearling sale at any level, and it's not going to read very pretty. Newsflash, racehorse ownership generally isn't a profitable endeavour. 
It, it really isn't. It's, it's, <laughs> you're going to lose 80% of your money, most likely. You know, that, that's just the reality of it. And some, I suppose when you get a, a very high profile sale like this, people love to, to throw stones, but um, it is what it is. And it, it'd be a poor measure to use now to assess the likes of book one, because a lot of those horses that make up the top lots are fillies. And, you know, even if they're stone useless and can't run a yard, they retain an awful lot of value because of their pedigrees that most of them will have. And um, and if you if you've bought a colt and they go on and be a group one performer and um, their prize money, you know, my, you might not have got back your purchase pr- price on prize money, but you most certainly will on stud value. So mm. using prize money alone is just yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it, it makes for a nice little um, snidey dig at the whole thing, but it's not necessarily reflective. Um, and look, it is mad. Book one has always been mad. It's billionaires selling to billionaires generally. Um, for someone like me that pay, pays a lot of attention to the sales and analyzes the results and tries to see trends and what way things are moving, you generally don't use book one in your analysis um, historically because it's just it's just a little bit separate to the rest. Um, book two that started today um, is it would be a bit more reflective of reality, even though I suspect this week will be absolutely bananas as well. Um, but it, look, it's an incredible sale, like. 125 million um turnover is bananas like i think that the average was, was something up around 300 or something like that and it, it's crazy stuff eye watering stuff um and look given how mad the wider world i say mad how concerning the wider world is you know energy crisis economic woes you know war in europe um it's incredible that that these concerns haven't um, aren't being felt in, in this sector of the, the bloodstock world. Um, sometimes it can, there can be a bit of a lag um, because the bloodstock world is full of so many professionals who you know aren't going to do anything else. doesn't matter how good or bad the economy is. They're going to keep buying and selling horses. It can take a little while for reality to hit um, and there can be a lag. But um, yeah, I think all, all involved should enjoy it for the time being because it's not necessarily guaranteed to last, but uh, it's certainly booming right now. Yeah, and also, like, as with all these things, it's not always as it seems, you know, as in just because the average was 300,000, let's say, at whatever figure it was, and that turnover number was so big, you know, there are people that people are there losing out as well as gaining. It's not all just, you don't just take a horse to book one and you print off a 300 grand check. It doesn't quite work like that. Um, lots of people, yeah, exactly. <laughs> lots of people have gone home with disappointing results. Um, but yeah, it is a bit of a mad old world. And um, anyway, we shall move on. Um, on to... Another slightly newsy headline, Robbie Dunn, Tony Calvin, makes his um, comeback this coming week following his ban. And I guess the question is now, obviously, Bryony Frost has been out with injury for the summer. She came back yesterday with a winner on the flat, actually, and now she's looking forward to kicking on for the jump season. She's obviously a Betfair ambassador, so we'll be looking forward to reading her thoughts in a weekly blog over the coming weeks and months. But in terms of, I guess, the two of them and what success looks like for them this season, Robbie in particular, what would you view as a successful season for Robbie Dunn now? Well, well, it's obviously, we we don't know how many, I suspect he's going to be as well supported as he was before his ban. I mean, at Hereford on Tuesday, uh, he's got three rides. He's looking at the small fields. He's probably not... a big price to, to return with a winner. Um, the likes of Neil Mulholland and Ian Williams had put him up. I think Gary Hanmer's the uh, the other trainer. So judging from, from that, it might well be business as usual. Just like for this show, you go back and reread some of the things that went on back then. Uh, you'd think, you know, they've seen the error of their ways and, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's hopefully it'll be a lot more amicable with, with Bryony. Uh, and, and the rest of the way as well. I mean, quite clearly, um, you know, a lot of a lot of jockeys have got questions to answer with that that, that episode. But yeah, I mean, like I said, he's uh, like with all these things when people come back from drug bans or lengthy bans, and I think we got a question on Christopher Sumion and you know the talking point coming up as well. I mean, like once the ban's over, people forget very very quickly. But you'd hope uh, lessons have been learned about how to conduct yourselves in the way room. And uh, like you said, uh, it's going to be a short term news story. But after that, it's, you know, you might get asked about it two or three times in the coming week. And then it'll be just like, you know, pushed aside. So I think you should just let him get on with it. And the same with Bryony. It'd be unfair to ask Bryony what 
what she thinks about the return of Robbie Dunn. Just like I said, it's let's just get kick on that. Yeah, it, um, Robbie will definitely be hoping that he just can come back and it be business as usual, Kevin. I mean, I have no idea if this has actually happened, but would you be hopeful that there might have been some sort of meeting between, you know, they're both obviously making their comeback at very similar times. Would you be hopeful that the PGA may have, um, you know, orchestrated the meeting between the two of them just to sort of put it to bed once and for all? Or do you think that they'd probably be going into the weighing room, you know, hoping not to see each other? Or how do you think it's playing out as we speak? Actually, look, I have no idea, but you can see the benefits of, of maybe doing something before they come back, just sit down, shake hands and say, hey, look, what's done is done. Um, punishment served, move on. It saves a lot of awkwardness later on, but who knows? It might be seen as being too raw to do that. I don't know. Uh, none of my business. Wish the best of luck to the two of them. Uh, you know, wrongs were there, there was a lot of wrong in this case. Um, heavy punishments dished out, and um, everyone is entitled to, um, you know, boot on once their punishment is served. And yeah. I'm sure, and look, great to see Bryony back with a winner. She had a nightmare spin with, um, with injury. And uh, great to see her back in the winner's enclosure and hopefully she can drive on and, and regain some of the momentum she lost during the, the whole saga. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. Uh, here's to a good season for both of them, really, going forwards. Um, Chepstow, Tony, was in the news this weekend because on, was it on Friday, I think, they had issues with their Wi-Fi, which that, then meant that they, pardon? Was it Saturday? May well have been. <laughs> Friday or Saturday this weekend, their big meeting, lots of people there. They have issues with their Wi-Fi, which meant that the card system could not be used on course in certain parts, which then meant that they obviously had to accept cash, even though they were wanting to go cashless. And I think the word is they begrudgingly accepted yeah. cash at the gates and bars. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, why would a race course want to move away from cash altogether? Because for me, the question is, why can't you just be able to use cash and card? Well, it cuts out, it cuts out money they lose to, to you know basic corruption, isn't it? I mean, I they, they never admit it, will they? But I mean, obviously, when you're operating uh, off just uh, a cashless service, you know, the, the you know you don't lose any money from wastage for for one is another term, and you know I don't want to cast aspersions about. You know, people who go there and you know, part-time employees, etc., um, on a zero, you know, zero minimum wage, and it's kind of like you know, you, you they must lose a lot of money to, to to basic pilfering at the bar and stuff like that. So obviously, with uh, with a card-only system, you minimise that or pretty much eradicate that 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 area of it. But obviously, nobody really talks about that because they don't want to go into down that route. But no, obviously this highlighted the fact the folly of just uh, doing that. I mean, obviously you know if you if you can't bet on the tote, you know you you know bars you can't operate properly, you know people you know can't pay to get in. I mean you've you've got to have a backup plan, and it sounds like as you said, begrudgingly, you know they had to accept cash. But um, I think Arc actually just operate that, and some other some other um, courses do as well. But I mean, they've got to have a backup plan because. As we all know from you know even just the Wi-Fi at home and things like that, it's when it drops out, it's an absolute absolute nightmare. And why should it? You should be you know some of these tracks are quite remote as well, aren't they? So yeah, it's like I say, it's it's, it's just pretty farcical, wasn't it? And but yeah, I mean the, the reason why they do uh, they they go away from cash because they they don't lose as much money to uh, you know petty pilfering. Well, it's probably, it's probably just a lot faster as well, you know. Like those of us that worked in retail back in the day, you know, it does, it does, it does time is taken, you know, tallying up tills, etc. And um, Cardoni would be a lot more convenient. Um, and you know, I suppose it's like this, lads. What's the world going to be like in thirty years? It's certainly going to be cashless, isn't it? Most likely, totally cashless. Wouldn't be a surprise at all. Um, but uh, so we're working towards that. Um, but you, you you have to be sympathetic in your transition too, and there'll be some demographics there that will always want cash. You know, older people, um, you know, benefit cheats that that do a few that do a few jobs for cash on the side. They have to spend their money too. <laughs> Sorry, <Wow>. um, <laughs> but you know, you know, and look, it's personal preference too. But look, the world is moving towards a cashless society, but um, we can't go from from not to ninety. COVID speeded up certainly, but. Um, we have to be sympathetic don't at, we, time, at, to... at a time when we're trying to get people through the gates you just can't afford to alienate people in the, in the current climate very it, true 
It's very true. Would agree with that. Um, Kevin, quick mention, we've got to keep the ball rolling here because we've got some good questions to get through too. But just before we move on from the news section, quick mention for Billy Lee, who's going toe-to-toe with Colin Keane in the Irish uh, Flat Jockeys Championship title race. Um, I don't know what price he was, but it's an, it's an, would you, is, is it fair to say Billy is an unlikely content, was an unlikely contender at the start of the season to be putting up someone like Colin Keane in his position? Um. Yeah, I'm just looking back on last year. Like last year, Billy had 55 winners to Collins 140. You know, it's a, it's a, yeah, he would have done a bit better than that in the past, possibly, but it, it would have been a big old gap to make up. So, yeah, it, w- it would have been unlikely, right? As we stand, Billy's on 81, Collins on 80. Um, Collins has been going through a small bit of a quiet spell um, the last month or so for whatever reason. His strike rate has been been way lower than than one would come to expect from him, and that that's given Billy, um, that's given Billy a bit of a shot. So yeah, look, it's going to be a fascinating few weeks. These things they, they either set you alive or they don't. Um, they generally wouldn't with me, but I, I take an interest at the end when things are getting desperate and every winner counts, etc. It's uh, it's fun to follow, and yeah, it's likely to be like that for for the remainder of the season. So yeah, best to look to the two of them, two two top class riders. Yeah, I like it when these sort of championships trainers or jockeys go down to the wire. It just adds a little bit of interest on the quieter days and you see which trainers come out in support of certain jockeys. I always find that quite interesting. So we'll be following that. Um, let's move on to questions. Tony Calvin did his usual tweet and we got some good responses. Uh, we're kicking off with the one about Chepstow on Saturday, but we'll name tech check Deja who tweeted us saying following what happened at Chepstow on Saturday should all race courses be obliged to take cash as well as card payments well I think we've covered that and the answer is probably yes especially if you're in Tony's camp of not wanting to alienate anyone from actually coming racing uh, Ben has asked can we ban the C word that is Cheltenham for anyone wondering can we ban the C word unless talking about the open international or December meeting until after Christmas already seen seeing numerous outlets talking about it and asking for people's like hardly any horse out there has bloody run yet sorry it's in small writing yeah, there's, a, um, there's a good but, reason for that Ben I'm afraid um, and I'd be with you I'd love to see a ban but um, says the man who's just written a column about what to look forward to for the jump season how much do, you must get paid a four because you are just some <laughs> is the word turncoat questioning my well, statements again because of the squid incident <laughs> but yeah yeah i've i've I've, be, 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 I've done that for the last 10 years so it'd be rude to say no to it um yeah look the thing is lads when it comes to media um especially online media guess what gets loads of clicks Cheltenham content it, it bangs better than anything else anything flat related so as long as that continues to be the case, and it would be dangerous to assume that it always will be the case if we make it five days to do something stupid like that, um, that, you know, Cheltenham content will continue to be very prolific and popular because, uh, yeah, money follows money, as they say. Absolute integrity, Blake. I, I would point blank refuse to do any Cheltenham anti-post tipping columns. I don't well, do, no, I, I, I I don't will, do these tend to follow nonsense. I only, I only do what I back myself. And all these people... Show me your betting slips when you're putting up these 478 to follow. Now, and I will correct that. I said it wasn't a Cheltenham piece. In, in fact, it was a beginning of the national hunt season. Stars in the spotlight. Nice, okay. little, revi- nice little revision piece for people to remind themselves of you what, what? the horses are and what they've done. Is that an apology, Vanessa? No, no, I, I would like allow that. Yeah, no, I would allow Apologize. that. A little bit of a sorry, a little bit of a Apologize. sorry. Only a there fraction of a sorry, only a fraction. <laughs> but that is only because, yeah, look, I feel like, you know, we do have to give the jump season a bit of a, you know, a bit of a push, especially as we start st- talking about jump horses. I mean, when you've been in the flat mode, I don't know about you lads, but honestly, half the time they're mentioning like good, well-known horses. And I'm thinking, where are they going to, like, where are they aiming for again? It's really yeah. at the very back of my mind at the moment. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on because we're running out of time. Uh, I see us asked, Tony, this yeah. one's coming your way. Aidan O'Brien has well-documented comments on Stone Age riding, race riding. Aidan O'Brien flies Christophe Soumillon out to ride in Keeneland while serving a ban for wait for it Stone Age riding. Um, how do you square this circle? Well, well, he's not suspended yet, is he? So obviously he's he's free to do whatever he wants. And whenever obviously Aiden's come out and the, the article we refers to, like uh, Aiden um, said at the, I think it was at the start of the season about you know these these kind of light tactics. But 
the issue is, and it's often it's often kind of like lost on people that trainers are employees, and you know it might not even be his decision to put Sumi on. He's quite he's quite within his rights to put Sumi on if he's eligible to ride. And you know, people going about Sumi on as if he's you know, got off lightly. It's two months, a very lucrative time of the year internationally. He's lost his retainer well, with the Arkham card on the back of it. And, you know, it's a trainer's job is to maximise his horse's winning potential. And if that's put Sumi on as opposed to another jockey uh, and he's eligible to ride, it's well within his rights. But it could well be that, you know, the lads, quote unquote, said, no, we want to ride. We want Sumi on to ride this horse. And even if Aiden disagrees, we don't know. And it's never going to become public knowledge. Then then that's what's going to happen, because trainers uh, are told what to do by very high profile owners. Fair enough. Um, this one's coming your way as well because it's about your favourite jockey, Jim Crowley, Tony. Um, yeah. Fal Brav has asked, referring to the Dewhurst here and the rides Crowley gave Royal Scotsman, yeah. uh, do you think Crowley cocked up in restraining by three lengths after getting a quick break, letting Dettori get to the front after Chaldean was slowly away and those three lengths proved costly in the end? Possibly, but I love... I wouldn't go mad on it. And in fact, it's it's got lost in the, the equation here that Crowley actually got a two-day ban for overuse of the whip. Now, on the BHA website, I'm not sure how far over he went. I mean, if he only got two days, I, I, I suspect he only went over it by one or so, but he did get a two-day whip ban. So, um, yeah. again, that's by the by. But no, I I wouldn't put that up as a, as a shocker. A lot of people think the second was the best horse in the race. And on reflection, maybe that is the case, but... No, it's, it wasn't a shocker by any means, was it? Now, Tony, if you had to pick, if you had to pick your own personal stable jockey, and I gave you a hundred pounds, would it be Jim Crowley or Neil Callan? <laughs> um, it depends. If I was uh, looking to get one B, I'll put them back. <laughs> Tony Calvin, let's move on. Jeremy James has asked, Kevin, this is coming your way. Jeremy James, look, if, if Barry Orr was on now, I'd be going absolutely bloody mental. Jeremy right, one, James one, asked, one, probably, one, word, one word answer, one sentence answers from now on. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> right. Probably been done before, ground conditions. Do other countries suffer the same as British racing? TC, you are always on the case of getting updates. Two abandoned meetings this week, plus Cheps, though, didn't know if they were coming or going. Excuse the pun, Kevin? Um, yeah, sure. Look, when you're dealing with grass, lads, in the main, you're, you're, you're vulnerable to the weather. Um, they're, they're better off in some warmer climates because they, they, there's less rain and they can just irrigate as they see fit. They don't, they don't get as many um, weird goings on. But uh, in our lovely part of the world, lads, it rains when it's supposed to shine and, um, you know, it snows when it's supposed to be sunny. So there better than in America. Didn't, don't America sometimes just take it off the turf and stick it on the old weather? Yeah, yeah. yeah, imagine, imagine the, Gar- imagine the, the eruptions that were caused here. The um, Gary DC has asked, is Sam Ewing the next top jump jockey? Horses jump him and very strong in the finish. He had an excellent weekend um, riding winners over here in the UK. And he looks a class act, Kev. Yeah, young guy, going very well at the minute, um, has looked promising from early days. Um, look, it's a long way to go to be a top jump jockey and this. <laughs> especially we know the way jump jockeys are and the attrition rate, et cetera, injury rate. You never want to get too far ahead of yourself, but he's definitely on the right road at the minute. And let's hope he keeps kicking with momentum down it. Yeah, fingers crossed. And it's that age old thing with these young lads, just like not to apply too much pressure and call them the second coming quite yet. Because as Kevin said, it's a long old road. Um, V and Merv has asked, why does Holly Doyle lose lots of races by going off too fast in front, TC? Um, not something I paid much attention to. But I did go back and have a look at her recent rides, and she did ride a very good race from the front when first officer went at Nottingham uh, early in the month, and uh, made all never never got reeled in one by about six lengths. So, like all these things, you know, you can pick out jockeys for poor rides and good rides. Uh, no, I it's not something I've paid much attention to, to be honest with. You. No, she can win, like you say, she's won plenty of races by giving them excellent front-running rides. It's obviously a tactic she knows and likes and knows she's good at. Um, J- Jack Richardson has asked, Frankie seems to have a twinkle back in his eye, can only be good for racing. Like him or loathe him, he's our most recognisable face at the minute, bar maybe Rachel. We are, are we in trouble when he hangs up his boots? If yes, what can we do? Well, I think the answer is almost certainly yes. Uh, what can we do to stop that? I'm not entirely sure. 
Um, it's not so much about stopping that. It's about maybe encouraging our, our jockeys, especially our young jockeys, new jockeys, to maybe show their personalities a bit more. So that's that's all Frankie does. You know, he just shows a bit of personality. You know, flying this mount, bit gimmicky. People love it. They've loved it for whatever, 30 years. But there just seems to be like this man, we talk about it all the time, there's just mass reluctance from uh, jockeys and, and especially trainers to show any personality whatsoever for fear of upsetting someone or alienating some owners or what have you. But, um, you know, darts figured it out. Uh, darts, you know, it's not exactly a riveting sport, but whoever it was, I don't know, it's that Eddie Hearn or someone figured out years ago, yeah, we need to make this a bit more of a show, lads. And all of a sudden they've got yellow mohawks and walk out to their entrance music. And all of a sudden they've got, you know, uh, arenas full of, of lads doing stupid dances to that do, 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 do music. And all of a sudden it's uh, it's away and gone. So, yeah. That famous music. Um, Peter We want a yellow mohawk for next week's show on Monday. Yeah, yeah. You're the only person that can pull it off, I think. Oh, thanks. Thanks, TC. You're so kind. Uh, Peter Hodgkinson has asked, uh, how much does it cost to enter a horse race, Kevin? Um, Rule of thumb, 1% of the the prize fund is what you'll end up paying to run. Um, It's the general rule of thumb. Okay. Uh, Chris Graham has asked, when Robbie Dunn returns, how should he be managed? Should BHA not suggest a meeting between the two with an independent facilitator? Interesting to see who will use Dunn in the future. Well, Chris, hopefully we've already covered that for you in this show. Uh, TBY has asked, on Friday, there is a class two naught to 145 handicap hurdle at Utoxta worth £10,000 to the winner. At Fakenham, there is a class three naught to 140 handicap chase worth £15,500 to the winner. How does that make sense? Thanks. Different tracks, different prize money. Isn't Fakenham an independent course? Also yeah, a hurdle race, race and a chase the- course. Yeah, race courses make, can make different levels of contributions to prize money and the sponsorship would be a thing as well. There's, yeah, there, there's an argument to be made there for properly kind of rigorously enforced minimums and things like that, which I think might be a part of the, this this wonderful vision for the future. But um, yeah, until we get there, you will get, and you see it in big in graded races, you know, some tracks have, have shocking prize money for graded races compared to others. But yeah, until they get their maybe their house in order and that from a regulatory point of view, um, it's probably going to continue. And I just realized that I mentioned Eddie Hearn rather than Barry Hearn talking about the darts earlier. No context, Hearn is clearly brainwashing me. Yeah, very much you know, so. You know. Uh, TJ has asked last two questions guys TJ has asked other than the classics do you think it is correct to have gender specific races classified as a group one example Ascot's 240 this coming Saturday if the horse is a group one quality they should have run in the arc well that's a controversial view isn't it Kev it is yeah um you could make the argument you can make that argument on the over jump certainly but you know yeah look I think you have to have gender specific race and graded races because you're ultimately your the origins of it is you're trying to encourage people to put fiddies in training and give them a crack you know would have you know for there are all sorts of positives from that and if you didn't have those programs there wouldn't be the people wouldn't be as incentivized to race fiddies and mares so um yeah i think i think they should be there should there be as many of them is an interesting conversation but um yeah i think you have to have them Okay, and the final question from JJG says, I'm an American and elderly. Oh, poor you. What does Vanessa's <laughs> phrase, the toys come out the pram, mean? By I the way, I, I, I don't think you're the best person to uh, talk about cliches or well, no. well phrases. Yeah, like. I, think, I think the actual expression is toys come out of the dam. As no, in, like, stop, a, a dam stop. on a lake when there's toys no. clogging up the mechanics and the toys fly out, the dam reopens again. So I think that's the, the origins of that one. Vanessa. Give over. Look, JJG <laughs> has also given us a compliment, which I was about to get to, which is where he says, I enjoy weighed in and racing only better very much. Well, thank yeah, you very JJ, much, JJ. T- toys, toys out of the pram. It's a reference to a child. When a child gets a bit petulant and angry, they'll chuck their toys clean out of the pram in anger. So if I said Vanessa threw her toys out of the pram it means she gets really angry because we're uh, we're, we're slagging her and um, yeah. yeah there you go the toys come out of my pram with regularity it's probably a reason that i'm single along with a long list of other things uh but yeah it's, it's actually a phrase i use a lot the toys come out the pram because it's just so relevant a lot of the time unnecessary meltdowns essentially jjg uh, but look when we do our book of phrases our little book of phrases for christmas you can buy 
a book and you then won't have to tweet your questions and you'll also be helping to line our pockets because they're going to go on sale for 25 pounds <laughs> um i joke i joke look that is it uh thank you very much for excellent questions as always very jolly show uh, i think that's pretty much a wrap but we'll be back on thursday with racing any better and that'll be a mega episode because of course we will be building up to british champions day on that show but for now it's have a good week and thank you very much one and all for listening <laughs>